podcast, Star Trek Age of Discovery. I'm Adele Austin Anderson. And I'm Gary Anderson. And we're a married couple who are longtime fans of Star Trek. Welcome back. Well, yeah, thank you, Gary. Now, during the period of time before the next season, as promised, we will provide monthly podcasts to catch you up on Star Trek Discovery News. Now, don't worry, you didn't miss a podcast for March. We decided to take a break from the podcast to ensure enough content for the show. However, we are committed to producing a Discovery podcast each month until the show returns for its second season next year. So if you have not already done so, please subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss any of our installments. Now today, let's first start with a review of the deleted scene that was released during the recent WonderCon convention. The scene shows the fate of the Mirror Universe version of Philippa Giorgio following the end of the Federation Klingon War. Giorgio has remained on Konos as the operator of a brothel and drug den, it looks like. There, a Section 31 agent, unconvincedly disguised as a trill, visits her. He is there to recruit Giorgio to serve in the clandestine organization where he says she could serve as a valuable asset so that she could exert some influence over the fate of the galaxy. Then, as his calling card, he leaves a black badge for her. This is the same style we'd seen worn by some Discovery crew members in one of the episodes of the first season. So I tell you, Gary, I really am excited about the prospect of uh, Mira Jojo, played by Michelle Yao. Um, I'm really excited about her returning to the second season as a reoccurring character. And I'm also excited about the inclusion of Section 31 into the series. I, I know that some of our listeners may not be as familiar with Section right. 31, so uh, why don't you take some time to talk about it? Okay, well, just a couple of things co- connected to Section 31 and the, the, and the Black Badge specifically, because you're right, we saw the first time we saw the Black Badge was in uh, Episode 3 of the first season of, of Discovery, and they really didn't get referenced much after that no in fact this would have been the this would have been actually the 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 next time we had any kind of reference to the badges since we had originally seen them on some security people right guarding the spore drive uh, labs that's so right that would have been interesting but um to go back to talk about the history of section 31 and its invention um, it's you know it's a secret organization first introduced during my favorite series Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, and it was it's comparable to the Tal Shiar for the Romulans or the Obsidian Order for the Cardassians. So you understand that this is a spy organization. They are all doing these clandestine things. However, um, we later um, learn it began as a formation on the United Earth and was later expanded to the United Federation of Planets. Um, This comes from uh, Deep Space Nine, where they had this dynamic storyline, as as well as it also was featured in the second of the 
Kelvin Universe movies, uh, Star Trek uh, Into Darkness. Section 31 supposedly is, is an autonomous organization um, whose credo could be summed up as the ends justify the means. They mm-hmm. basically do the things mm-hmm. they need to to uh, affect whatever outcome they're, they're anticipating. Its existence is neither confirmed or denied by the Federation. And it seems as it's easy to understand why they would want Giorgio to be part oh, of yeah. their crew. I mean, when, when we've seen them before, there's usually been one individual, usually dressed in, in black, mm-hmm. that's come to one member of a Star Trek crew, uh, 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 either Bashir during Deep Space Nine, and they wanted to recruit him as an agent because of his augmented um, intellect and whatnot. That's right. And in and the other other series that we saw them in was in Star Trek Enterprise, mm-hmm. where again another uh, black garbed uh, in, in this agent comes and approaches. Um, Malcolm. Malcolm, Malcolm, Malcolm Reed, Reed mm-hmm. who is the um, engineer for the well, not the engineer. He's the pilot for and security security officer for for, um, for the Enterprise mm-hmm. NX01. Mm-hmm. Um, while Section Thirty One supposedly ha- creates no allegiances with non-humans, they tend they 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 have done so, as in the case of when they were dealing with um, some of the later episodes. Of of the when the Enterprise in Star Trek Enterprise was uh, dealing with the augments mm-hmm. the, that the Klingons were having some difficulty with, um, they but they tend to be more human centric. So they're always looking for the outcome to benefit human humanity rather than alien races. That's right. <clears throat> um, thus, the recruitment of Murray Giorgio kind of makes sense. I mean, it's, it sounds pretty logical since. As an emperor for years, she had she successfully subjugated all the alien races underneath her control to her will. Um, there's no doubt she would be willing to accept the agent's offer and would use any knowledge and experiences that she had to further Section 31's mission. So it seems like a pretty logical analysis of why they'd want to be involved with her. Definitely, definitely. So um, we're looking forward to seeing how often they use that in uh, in the series. So. I, hope, I, hope, I hope not a whole lot. I think that it's better when it's like, you know, a good season. You use it gingerly throughout the, the yeah, series. Yeah, that you have, it's part of a storyline right. over more than a couple of episodes, right. and then you just leave it alone. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So uh, we also want to talk about others, uh, Star Trek Discovery News, uh, and so let's take that opportunity to do that now. Uh, so, so we do know that filming is underway for season two in Toronto this month, and uh, it is April, uh, and also that they say that the 13 episodes are planned. Now, uh, if you look at last season, you'll see that they actually filmed 15 episodes, and you might be wondering, oh, are they decreasing the number of episodes? But from what we read, uh, uh, 13 episodes, there were only supposed to be 13 episodes for season one, and what CBS did was they ordered two more. And so they decided, okay, we'll do two more, and we'll place, you know, and we'll say that... uh, 
those two episodes are the first episodes and those are the episodes they used to introduce the series to the general public. And you can kind of see that. I mean, when you look at the arc of the season, it does almost look like there was a point where it should have ended. And then it seems like, um, you know, they added... Um, uh, a, a couple more episodes. Well, they they rejiggered the way they broke up the season into two parts as well because originally we were supposed to end with a cliffhanger at, right. at Pavo and that, that the second half was supposed to begin with dealing with the rest of what was going on with the Pavans, with the Klingons coming um, and them having to use the spore drive one more time and that would have pushed them into the mirror yeah. universe, mm-hmm. right? And I think that the idea originally was to have the mirror universe conclude in the beginning of the second season, but they re- they reimagined all of that so they could get the most impact out of it. Right. So so here's some other news too. Is that again they have said that the that the second season will premiere. Um, uh, in early 2019, but there's a possibility that if they can get the special effects completed, that it may actually premiere late 2018. But to be honest, uh, my my sights are on 2019. You know, if I don't want to get all excited and then, you know, be disappointed. So I'm looking at 2019. They could do 2018 all the better. I can't imagine another show that, would premiere during the holidays when your attention is on Christmas and New Year's and Hanukkah and all the rest right. of it. So I don't really, I, I, I don't see the upside for them of premiering because they'd have to actually do it before Thanksgiving. They, they would need to do and it they, like October. And then they immediately go on a break. They would need to do October. Right, and, right, right. You know, like they did last so, year. So I don't think it's likely. I don't think it's likely we're going to see the show until January of, at the earliest. No, I agree with you. And then also, uh, we found out that the second season of Discovery will pick up where last season's finale left off. And that's the final shot, you know, where you saw... Um, the U.S. Discovery coming in contact with the USS Enterprise, and that's the Enterprise that's captained by Captain Pike. Right. And and supposedly they have number one on it and also a Spock. So we don't know what characters are actually going to be on on it, except for Pike, because they did mention right. Captain Pike. Right. So, um, so, so we'll have to see with that. Then also... Um, the executive producer, Alex Kurtzman, is set to direct the first episode of the show's second season. And as you know, Kurtzman, not only is he the executive producer, but he co-wrote both um, uh, 2009 Star Trek re- reboot and also the 2013 Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah. Okay. So so Gary's not that excited about it. <laughs> not at all. We we totally disagree not at on all. the value of those films, but yeah, we uh, do. Or or the entertainment value of the films, yeah. but but anyways, we'll move on. Yeah, yeah. And also uh, another director that we know um, will come back is Jonathan Frakes. Yep. Um, you know Jonathan Frakes obviously as one of the stars of uh, the Next Generation. William T. Rucker. And last year, he directed 
um, Despite Yourself, which is that episode that introduced Discovery to the Mirror Universe. And that episode was really well received. And I thought it was well directed. It was, it was. I, I, I truly, truly enjoyed that episode. It got people really excited. So we're glad to see him come back. And it seems like he's going to be directing one of the earlier episodes because... Um, uh, because he said he's going to uh, go to Toronto soon mm-hmm. to, to start filming. Right. So um, so we're looking forward to um, Jonathan Frakes returning. So let's just talk. take a little time to talk about some of the themes and storylines that they've begun to seep out you know from information from WonderCon because they did a huge panel there they mm-hmm. had they had the producers the writers and some of the production people the costume designers makeup makeup artists and they got gave us a really good um, bit of information at WonderCon um, Discovery showrunner Aaron Harberts uh, stated that in season two that they're going to focus on one major uh, Star Trek theme spirituality um, he went on to say, and I quote, what is the role of serendipity versus science? Is there a story about faith to be told? Leaps of faith. We are dealing with space. We are dealing with things that can't be explained. And you have characters like Michael Burnham who who believe there is an explanation for everything. Mm-hmm. And also, according to Kurtzman, season two, is also going to address fan questions about the relationship between Burnham and the and the original Star Trek uh, series character Spock, who now, as far as canon is concerned, were raised together. So right. that's a, that that's something that has been out there for a while that was not really uh, it was touched on lightly. It- it was an idea that wasn't well received by the I fan know, that, base. That was one that that was one that really kind of ticked off people before the show premiered. Right, you know? and, and 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 as uh, those who would listen to this podcast, that was one of my concerns right. at the beginning. Was why did she have to be Spock's sister? And you know, we could we could understand why it would be Sarek who would take her in. Right. You know, why he would. Uh, be the the one who do that, but why is she really like his adopt Spock's adopted sister, and we never heard Spock talk about? It. So I am just like I did last season. I was willing to set aside my biases and just let the season play out. But um, the showrunners did, did promise us that they would actually have an explanation right. uh, for this. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm not so. I'm not so concerned about that, specifically because, um, as far as I'm concerned, there are a whole host of things that occur, and and you've got a show that was that premiered in 1966. It's now 2018, and they've gone back and they've revised a whole host of things. I mean, we've even had again through Deep Space Nine, we've had an episode where crew members from Deep Space Nine were at the events that occurred during the Troubles with Tribbles episode. So, I mean, they've, re- they've re-examined history a lot. Well, they re-examined history, but this is a major, major Well, what it means uh, is that they have, to deal with it, they have to deal with it appropriately, and they have to deal with it in, a, in a, um, a, a, an effective manner. Right. And I think that's the thing that we need to focus on. Right. Um, uh, 
the other thing, uh, let's talk about spirituality a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So, so there, there are people who, um, who have said that oh, Roddenberry, he never dealt with spirituality, and you know, he never dealt with God or anything like that, and um, and that's not true, you know, because uh, definitely. Um, uh, if if you look at the original series, there were mentions of that. You know, the one obvious one is uh, when when they dealt with uh, the sun and the oh, uh, bread and circuses. Bread and circuses. Yes, when and, they're in the when they're on the Earth like planet where the Roman Empire ex- existed into. I guess what you would call the sixties. Right. And and Yahura says at the end she explains mm-hmm. that they're actually waiting for the son of God, yeah. you know, yeah. c- to come back. That that was the explanation. Right. Be- be- and, because they're they're there are people who are sun worshipers. Right. And they translate that into being that they're worshiping the sun, which many cultures did. Well, on, that's what Kurt and and, and Spock uh, thought. Yeah. But 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 Uhura said it's not the it's sun. not it's sun the son the of it's the son of God. Right, right, right. And right. so and, and there were other allusions to that too. And we also know that even after Roddenberry's death, the Star Trek different Star Trek series have tried to deal with it in some ways. Right. Uh, even Voyager had the but, one. But the one that dealt with it the best, I think, was Deep Space Nine. I mean, that right. one. That one. Faith right. was a major part of character background. That's right. It was a major plot device that was the plot element that was played throughout the entire series. Yeah. Because there was a point, if you look at the full seven seasons of the show, mm-hmm. there's a point where you are introduced to Cisco initially as the emissary of the prophets, who, who, for the first few seasons, we see the importance of that religion for the Bajoran people. That's right. And even and even Cisco kind of rejects the validity of that right. initially. And then somewhere in the middle of the run of the show, the writers go to this concept of wormhole whole aliens mm-hmm. where they where they think of them not as uh, spiritual beings but as a, you know as another race of species of 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 sentient beings that exist that exist on a more tem, um, a more ephemeral level right and then later on in the latter half the last latter third of the of the show they go back to the idea they really go full force on the whole thing of the prophets being um, religious we find out that Cisco's mother was a prophet. That's right. And they even go and develop another um, group of gods called the Pa Wraith, which right. which for which Goldacott becomes their their champion. Right. And and we see they really do go into a very clear sense that the battle for Bajor for for the all sentient beings in the universe is a battle between the emissary Benjamin Cisco mm-hmm. and Goldacott as the emissary of the power race and who, who will succeed. That's right. So, so we're just hoping that fans will give us a chance and not tell us what they think Roddenberry, you know, wanted and what he meant to do. I mean, come on. Well, I also think that that's, (laughs) I think that's an aspect of the evolution of the show that you had, that Roddenberry may have been, um, Someone who didn't have strong belief in faith. Well, he 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 grew up. He was a he grew up in a very quite a 
Baptist background. Right, right, you know, right. he so that was his background. He moved. He kind of moved away from that as he mm-hmm. got older, right. and that's reflected in how he presented it in Star Trek. Right. Even though, as we were saying, there are some allusions to religion right. in, in even in the original series. But but as you go through the s- subsequent sequel series, yes. you see how that has also been evolved. So yeah. to say that faith. A concept in um, a, a spiritual life beyond the existence of the the, the physical life, right? The corporal it's, body, yeah, 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 yeah. Is 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 part of what we see in Star Trek? And again, mm-hmm. as far as we know, Cisco is still with the prophets. Right. You know, I mean, they they could if they wanted to, because they because. As um, Ira Bear Shiver said, one of the showrunners on Deep Space Nine, at the end of the show, they made him a god. That's right. That's right. Exactly. So we're looking forward to seeing how that plays out, you right. know, what, what they do. Um, but uh, there are some other storylines and themes that you wanted to talk about. No, no, that's, no, that's it. I guess that's it. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Okay, so now let's go on to talk about some other um, news. Uh, First of all, we're glad to say that uh, Star Trek Discovery is being recognized uh, for some uh, major awards. At least they've now gotten these nominations. So I want to first look at the Hugo Award. Star Trek Discovery is among the finalists for a 2018 Hugo Award. Uh, for the episode Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad. This um, episode was written by Aaron Ali uh, Colette and Jesse Alexander and directed by David M. Barrett. So it's up for a Hugo Award in the Best Dramatic Pre- Presentation Short Form category. Uh, as you remember, this is the um, entertaining time loop episode. Um, it's, it was the seventh episode of the first season that featured Rain Wilson um, reprising this role as Harry Mudd. Um, he returns to the USS Discovery to wreak havoc on uh, Captain Lorca and the crew, and actually to turn the Discovery uh, ship over to the Klingons. Right. And as you know, Gary, this was actually... My favorite episode yeah. of the season. Yeah. I mean, I have seen this episode a number of times. <laughs> I will continue to watch it. I just absolutely enjoy this episode. Yeah, it's pretty good. So the winners of the Hugo Award will be announced uh, at the WorldCon seventy six in San Jose, California, in August on August nineteenth of this year. Uh, Okay, and what about those Saturn Awards? Well, they also received several Saturn Award nominations, which I thought was hugely rewarding for a show in its first season. Right. Um, At the 44th Annual Saturn Awards, Discovery received five award nominations. Um, Best New Media Television Series, Sonequa Martin-Green, who plays Michael Burnham, was uh, nominated for Best Actress on a Television Series. Jason Isaac, who played Gabriel Lorca, um, is nominated as Best Actor for a Television Series. Doug Jones, who is Saru, First Officer Saru, 
um, is up for the best supporting actor for on a television show. And Michelle Yao, our lovely Michelle Yao, <laughs> who is Filippi Giorgio, is up for best guest starring performance on a television series. And we won't hear the the announcements until uh, of who won um, until they're revealed in June at the star the Saturn Award show in Burbank, California. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty good. I mean, you got five really strong yep. upfront nominations that's for right. your show, your first season. I think that's significant when you think about all of this all of the science fiction stuff that is out there. Yeah, and well deserved. It is well you deserved. Know, well deserved. It is well deserved. Uh, so uh, another thing we want to talk about, we want to alert you to uh, schedule conference uh, appearances by the cast and crew members. So, uh, first of all, if you're in Germany, because uh, we do have some, we do have some fans in Europe. Oh, a number of fans. Yeah. In so, Europe. if if you happen to be able to get to Dermot, Germany, right? Uh, so, Jason Isaac, uh, who again uh, played Captain Lorca, he will be at the Destination Star Trek convention in Dortmund, uh, Germany, uh, April twenty seventh uh, to the 29th. Yeah, and Jonathan Frakes, director of, um, of Despite, Despite Yourself. Yourself, is going to be at Comic-Con in Niagara Falls, New York, um, in June. Uh, you're right. In fact, you <laughs> will not have any issue at all. If you want to see Jonathan Frakes, he, you're going to hear us say his name almost at every one of these conventions. So uh, he's definitely, uh, if you want to see Jonathan Frakes, you will have that opportunity. Uh, so, uh, speaking of Jonathan Frakes, at the next convention, Fanboy Expo, uh, uh, John Frakes will be there with Doug Jones. This uh, um, convention will take place in Knoxville, Tennessee from June 29th to July 1st. And if you haven't heard it before, Jonathan Frakes will also <laughs> be at Supercon um, at Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, July 12th through the 15th. Now, you should probably go back and make sure you look at the schedules for these right. as these perform these artists won't be there every day, but yeah. they'll be there on specific days. Right, right. And as as they get closer to the date, right. they'll have more accurate information right. about when they'll be there. Okay, and so obviously the big convention, uh, which is hard to get tickets for, yeah. is Comic Con International in San Diego, California, July eighteenth to twenty second. Now there will be a show panel, a Discovery show panel, and they'll have the Discovery cast and the production staff right. all there. We don't have the date and time Because the for schedule's that. not set yet. So we don't know what day they're going to be. We don't know what time, but we imagine that, uh, that they, they are definitely going to have they'll a presence. They'll definitely be there. Yeah, they're yeah. definitely going to have a presence there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then at Star Trek Las Vegas, which is, you know, a huge convention as yeah. well, yeah, there's gonna Jonathan Frakes, James Frain who played Sarek, Wilson Cruz who was Doctor Colbert, uh, Jason Isaac again, Mary Chifu who played Laurel the Klingon, uh, Kenneth Mitchell who played also another Klingon Klingon Call, uh, and Rain Wilson who was our new Harry Mudd will all be there, and that con- that convention goes between August first and the fifth. And next, uh, for those in the UK, uh, you can go to the Destination Star Trek convention 
um, in October. It's October 19th to the 21st. And there um, you can uh, meet Jason Isaacs, Jane Brooke, who played... Uh, Admiral Cornwell. Uh, Mary Chiefel, Kenneth Mitchell, and Jonathan Frakes. Right. That's going to be in Birmingham. Yeah, in Birmingham, right. Yeah, October. And, and um, finally, a, more, a, little, a little less than a year from now, Mary Chiefo and Wilson Cruz are going to be on Star Trek The Cruise 3. Um, that takes you, it's a six-day tour that takes you from Miami to the Cayman Islands and Jamaica. And that's from January 4th through the 10th, 2019. So if you want to hook up, and see them. Now, again, all these schedules will probably be augmented. There will be other actors or production right. people who may be at these conventions or That's other right. conventions as the schedule fills out. Obviously, they're going to be doing this around the production schedule that they have up in Toronto. So there'll be some moments where, where we may have to augment this. There'll be more than more than one or two people at these conventions. And, and the other thing is that we, we didn't mention... You know, other Star Trek characters. I mean, there, there'll be, at, at most of these conventions, there are other Star there, Trek there character uh, actors um, <clears throat> who are going to be there. And there's even a convention this year that's all about William, William Shatner. Shatner. Well, because. You know, that, that we didn't mention. <laughs> yes, well. <laughs> and so it is like, if you want to spend lots of money and be with William Shatner, there is that opportunity. Right. So right. so there are other things, but what we're trying to focus on are discovery uh, cast members and also production staff members. Communicate with us through Twitter at Star Trek AOD or on our Facebook page, Star Trek, uh, Facebook.com backslash Star Trek AOD. Until then, live long and prosper.